0: Hi, I am Murali Swaminathan from Dublin, Ohio, USA. Thank you for choosing to listen to my podcast. This podcast is a book I have authored called Unlocking Inner Peace One Step at a Time and each episode will cover a chapter from that book I have written. This podcast is meant for all the people who want to achieve self-mastery but cannot get started and anyone interested in improving their quality of life and bringing peace to themselves and others. Part 2. Consistent Habits to Cultivate. This episode will focus on Chapter 8 titled Relationship and Commitment to the podcast series called Unlocking Inner Peace One Step at a Time. I will publish one episode every Sunday until I complete all 18 chapters from my book. Since we have many topics to cover, I will split this episode into two episodes. This episode will cover the topics Harvard's study of adult development, mature relationship in marriage and friendship, expressions of love, way to avoid ego clashes and finally the importance of giving focus on what we should give not on what we should receive. Let's jump into the episode now. Relationships never die a natural death. They are murdered by ego, disrespect, selfishness or disloyalty. As humans, the relationship we form with other people are vital to our mental and emotional well-being and our survival. Humans have an inherent desire to be close to other people And to connect with others and build relationship. Healthy relationship like romantic relationship, friendship or familial relationship they all count can make our life healthier overall. But what exactly does a healthy relationship look like to us? Harvard study of adult development This is a transcript from the TED talk by Robert Waldinger on what makes a good life. Lessons from the longest study on happiness. What keeps us healthy and happy as we go through life? If you have to invest now in your future best self, where would you put your time and energy? In a recent survey, millennials were asked, what their most important life goals were. Over 80% of them said their their primary life goal was to get rich. About 50% of the s- same young adults said becoming famous was another goal for them. And yet, we are repeatedly told to lean into hard work, push harder and achieve more. We are given the impression that hard work is what we need to go after have a good life. About 67% of responders said spending quality and quantity time with near and dear ones brings them joy. A true picture of entire lives, the choices people make, and how those choices work out for them are almost impossible to get. Most of what we know about human life is from asking people to remember the past. As we know hindsight is anything but a twenty twenty vision. We forgot vast amounts of what happens to us in our life. Sometimes memory is downright creative. But what if we could watch our entire lives as they unfold through time. More than eighty years ago, Harvard began a study wherein people were studied from time they were teenagers all the way into old age to see what really keeps people happy and healthy. The Harvard study of adult development may be one of the most comprehensive studies of adult life that's ever been done so far. The study tracked the lives of 724 men for 75 years, year after year, with questions about their work home lives and health without knowing how their life stories were going to turn out. Studies like these are exceedingly rare. Almost all projects of this kind fall apart within a decade because too many people drop out of the study, funding for the research dries up or the researchers get distracted or pass away. Sometimes nobody moves the ball further down the field. but through a combination of luck and the persistence of several generations of researchers, this study survived until last year. About 60 of their original 724 men were still alive at the end of 2015, even participating in the survey. Most of them were in their 90s when they were responding to the study and researchers are now beginning to study more than 2,000 children of these men. So, what has that Harvard research team learned? What lessons come from thousands of pages of information that they have generated on the lives of these men? Well, the lessons aren't about wealth, fame or working hard or harder. The most exact message from this 80-year-old study is this, only good relationships keep us happier and healthier. The team learned three big lessons about relationships. Lesson number one, the first lesson is that social connections are good for us and that loneliness kills. It turns out that people who are more socially connected to family, friends and the community are happier, physically healthier and live longer than people who are less well connected. And the experience of loneliness becomes toxic. We are not talking about having hundreds of friends on social media. It is about the quality of the relationships we have. People who are more isolated than they want to be from others find that they are less happy, their health declines earlier in midlife, their brain functioning declines sooner and they live shorter lives than people who are not lonely. The sad fact is that at any given time, more than one in five Americans report that they are lonely. Please don't confuse being alone with being lonely. Lesson number two, we know that you can be lonely in a crowd and you can be lonely in a marriage. So the second big lesson is that it is not just the number of friends you have and it is not whether or not you are in a committed relationship. It is the quality of your close relationship that matters. Living amid conflict is bad for our health. For example, high conflict marriage without much affection can prove to be very bad for our health. On the other hand, living amid good, warm relationships is protective. Once the Harvard team had followed the men into their 80s, they wanted to look back at them at midlife and see if they could predict who would grow into a happy, healthy octogenarian And who wouldn't? When they gathered everything they knew about them at the age of 50, it wasn't their mid-age cholesterol levels that predicted how they were going to grow old. It was how satisfied they were in their relationships. People who were the most confident in their relationship at the age 50 were the healthiest at the age of 80. The research found that when people had a happy relationship even though they had physical pain due to age, their emotional pain was very less compared to the people in an unhappy relationship who reported physical pain along with emotional pain. Close relationships seem to buffer us for some of the slings and arrows of growing old. Lesson number three. The third big lesson that the Harvard team learned about relationship and health is that good relationships don't just protect our bodies, they protect our brains too. It turns out that being in a securely attached relationship in your 80s is protective. If people feel they can count on their partner in times of need, their memory stays sharper for longer. Those who feel they cannot count on their partner experience early memory decline. The good relationships don't have to be smooth all the time. Some of the octogenarian couples in the study bickered with each other day in day out but as long as they felt that they could really count on the other person, when the going got tough, those arguments didn't take a toll on their memories. So the message is good, close relationships are good for our health and well-being. This is a wisdom that is as old as the hills. Then why is it so hard to get and so easy to ignore? Well, we are human. We like a quick fix. Something that will make our lives good and keep them that way. But relationships are messy and complicated. And the hard work of tending to family and friends is not sexy or glamorous. It is a lifelong commitment. It never ends. The people in the 80 year old study, who were the happiest in retirement, were the people who had actively worked to replace workmates with new playmates. Like the millennials in the recent survey, many of our men, when they started out as young adults, Really believe that fame, wealth and high achievement were what they had to go after to have a good life. But over the 80 years, the Harvard study has shown that people who fared the best were the people who lean into relationships with family, friends and the community. So, what about you? Let's say you are 20, 25, 40 or 60. What does leaning into relationship look like to you? Well, the possibilities are practically endless. It might be something as simple as replacing a screen time with people's time or livening up a close relationship by doing something new together. You could take long walks or go on a date night or you could reach out to a family member whom you haven't spoken in two years because of a family feud. More than a century ago Mark Twain looked back on his life wrote this. There isn't time so brief is life for bickerings, apologies, heartburnings, callings into account. There is only time for loving and but an instant so to speak for that. Good life is built with good relationships. That concludes a transcript from the TED talk by Robert Waldinger. Let's move on to the next topic, mature relationship in marriage. It does not matter from where men and women come. Eventually they will practice marriage on earth. I have experientially realized this when two people get married, the marriage is not between the two people alone but it is also with two different backgrounds and the environments in which the two people grew up. Relationships rule is that it has to grow slowly and it has to grow long. Only then there is depth in the relationship. If anyone sees you after two interaction and says, you are everything to me, you cannot trust them. They need just one incident to drop you and go their way. Relationships can only interpose, create a point of intersection. The husband and wife should start growing as friends, cherish each other in intellectual company, participate in each other's dreams to achieve their vision and feel they are each other's soulmate. This is called mature relationship. We somehow think that marriage is about transpositioning one circle over another. After marriage there is only one circle. We also think that everything has to be shared. The husbands tend to think my wife's friends are mine or vice versa. When this happens the husband wife end up in suffocating relationship. In general all relationships are like a fire. The message from fire is you be in one space I will be in one space, then I will give you a lot of warmth. If you barge into my space, I will burn you. Not because I want to, but because I cannot help it. So the warmth of a relationship depends on both people in the relationship. You must respect each other's space. Just like space is needed between two pillars to hold the ceiling intact. The husband and wife need to have their own space and respect each other's space to keep a marriage intact. Mature relationship is my life and your life coming together through the institution of marriage, creating an intersecting space called our life, much after your life and my life became our life. but there is still my life and your life. Whenever he or she goes from our life to my life and comes back to our life, there is always a little more romance, a little more understanding and little more empathy. The value of our space goes up with time. The intersecting space will keep growing slowly. Occasionally, One has to come to the ocean surface to see and understand the sea's depth. You must realize that people generally love you over time, but they don't love you the way you want to be loved. They love you the way they understand love. Expressions of love. What is not possible for love is not feasible for anything else. Love is not what you feel within. It is the expression of the feeling that makes a difference in a relationship. Implicit love. The kind where you say, I know that I love you. It's not going to help others. We got to make our love visible. When I see people falling over dead people, crying and saying so many positive things about them. I wonder if they had said all this when the person had been alive. If they had they would have made a huge difference to them. Never postpone, delay or withhold expressions of love. Be expressive and demonstrative about your love. When I talk about love, I mean responsible love we have for our near and dear. I am not referring to infatuation. I firmly believe that we must let our parents know through any kind of communication it could be messages, handwritten letters, personalized card, emails, doesn't matter that we love them for all that they have done for us in more ways than one. This is a minimum we can do for our parents. Love means oneness and it can be experienced only through a caring expression like a warm hug or a pat. It does not matter how much you do for your parents, but. If you don't express your love through caring expression, they will not recognize your love for them entirely. At any given opportunity, demonstrate your care. It could be a hug, lying on their laps a gently patting their back. You are never too old to lie down on your parents' lap. You are never too old to hold their hands while you speak to them. Never miss this opportunity and see what difference it makes. If you don't give your parents a loving hug when they are alive, what is the point in holding them and crying them when they are no more? You should not miss all the opportunities to show your love and care when they are alive so that you don't have any regrets later. So please hug your parents and grandparents as and when possible to demonstrate your love. Also, it is imperative that you embrace your children adequately. As children grow into adolescence, the father and mother begins to withdraw themselves and they stop hugging their children. Teenagers grow up without meaningful demonstration of love and care. The most significant contribution that a family member can make in the lives of growing children is give them a gift of demonstrative care and love. So. If you are a parent, do not miss the opportunity to hug your children whether their child is three years old or a teenager. They are still your daughter or son no matter how old they are. Make your love visible and ensure you demonstrate your love. The same is the case with marriage. With every passing year, your marriage should grow deeper and deeper. In many cases, it grows shallower and shallower. It is mainly because so many husbands and wives do not touch each other unless a sexual relationship is involved. This behavior is not right as it then becomes a question of love or lust. The secret of a happy and profound marriage lies in non sexual physical expressions of love. Remember, during the earlier years of marriage, immediately after the wedding, there would have been a lot of non-sexual moments of intimacy in their relationship, holding each other's hands, sitting next to each other, watching television or hugging each other in after coming back from home and work. Bring back the magic of non-sexual intimacy into marriage. You will rediscover the depth of marriage once again. So love must be visible. You have to be demonstrative. Love does not get expressed unless you begin to practice it. The language of love is communicated through a meaningful expression of love and care. Then neither person in the relationship will ever feel starved for love. The world around you will not feel hungry for love. If love cannot, then nothing else can. What is not possible for love is not feasible for anything else. Ego. Ego is the number one reason why relationships fail and marriages end in divorce. Ego never accepts the truth. When pride is present, intimacy is absent. A couple can be full of pride or have a healthy marriage but they cannot have both. A wise couple will recognize the agony of pride and do everything in their power to eradicate ego from themselves and their relationship. There is a thin line between ego and self-respect. Self-respect means to respect your values while ego means to show disrespect to others or your partner. There are ways to avoid ego clashes in a marriage. Number one. Let go of needless pride. Being proud could be a reason for ego clashes in a marriage. Pride leads to ego. Pride makes you feel superior to others. You must never think that you are the best in the relationship. Every person has both negative and positive aspects. Your partner is equally intelligent and responsible as you are. Feel lucky to have your partner. Do not showcase your proud behavior and superiority. Number two, don't always praise yourself. Always praising yourself in front of others does not help much to impress them. It feeds your ego and makes you overconfident. Ultimately, it results in ego clashes in a marriage. If you have the habit of telling others about your achievements or successes, you can easily get trapped in ego problems. So talk about your strengths in a limited manner. Do not overdo it. Number three, never demote or humiliate your partner. Always keep in mind that both husband and wife have equal importance in making a home peaceful and lively. It is not you who is important. Respect your partner in front of your friends and family. It will keep your relationship healthy. Marriage thrives on love, respect and trust. Number four, always compliment your partner. It is okay to be a good critic when dealing with friends, but with your spouse, you must learn to think and speak carefully. One lousy comment can spoil the relationship. Learn to appreciate your spouse. Compliment him or her now and then. This appreciation will create a healthy relationship and keep your ego at bay. A complimenting nature always has a positive effect on the marriage. Number 5. Understand each other's weakness. How does one avoid ego clashes? Respecting differences of opinion can help prevent an ego clash. Each person has few weak points. They are part of their personality. If you are a good partner, you must understand your spouse and love them for the person they are. Doing this can avoid ego problem. Number six, stop having a superiority complex. Keep your gender superiority aside and respect your partner. He or she can be equally great as you are. Your partner may be more good looking than you or maybe doing better than you professionally. Don't let this impact your love and respect for your partner. After all, you are sharing the same life, the same problems and the same joys. So kill your ego, not your love for your partner. This will help both of you. Number seven, spend time with each other. How does it once solve ego problems in the marriage? Lack of communication can be the reason for an ego problem between husband and wife. When you spend quality time with each other, it becomes easier to understand and love your partner. The love for your partner will eventually kill your ego. This is possible only when you spend time loving and understanding each other. Number eight, finally drop the ego and embrace the sky. A bird was flying, carrying a piece of meat within its beak. Soon the bird noticed that many birds were following it. As it kept flying, more and more birds were following it. That is when it realized that all the birds were not chasing it, they were chasing the piece of meat. So it dropped the meat and all the birds started following the piece of meat. That is when the bird remarked, in dropping a piece of meat, The entire sky became mine. The piece of meat refers to our ego. When ego comes, everything else goes. When ego goes, everything else comes. So, remember these points as these will help you in cleansing the ego in your marriage and also in other relationships. Act sensitively in your marriage. Displaying a promising act of love towards your partner. Then you will see ego getting washed away to the shore from the depths of your love for each other. You can apply these principles in all your important and critical relationship. Let's move on to next topic. Focus on what you can give, not on what you can receive, always. People who are happy in life are happy not because everything is going right in their life. They are happy because the relationship that matters the most to them is going perfectly. Some people are disturbed not because many things are going wrong in their life but because a relationship that matters the most to them is not going right. As we saw in the Harvard research. Nothing affects human life more than the quality of the relationship we share. If we have to get our life right, we have to get our relationship right. Most of the time there are relationship based disappointments because of the mismatch in expectations from the relationship. You have the right to expect, but it is immature to think that the other person in the relationship will always fulfill your expectations. So often what happens is that you stand under a mango tree and expect oranges. You can stand there for the rest of your life and you will still not get a single orange because a mango tree is not capable of giving you an oranges. What is even more foolish than standing under mango tree and expecting oranges is that getting upset with a mango tree for not giving you oranges. This is the kind of expectation we go through in our relationship. Our expectations are sometimes unrealistic not because we expect too much but because we forget that people have their own capacity, limitations, strengths and weaknesses. Just because you wish for certain things for your wife, husband, friends or adolescent children it is not necessary that they will always fulfill your expectations. When the expectations are not met, you get frustrated. You have only two alternatives. Number one, if oranges mean a lot to you, you have to search for an orange tree and then expect oranges from that tree. Number two, but if you have reconciled that mango tree is all you have, you have to learn to enjoy the mangoes from the mango tree. To come out of the great disappointments that you go through in a relationship, you need to examine your expectations. You need to ask yourself this question, are my expectations realistic in this relationship? The question is very liberating. Most often, when we ask ourselves this question, we realize that we tend to beg from a beggars. We live in a world where everyone craves to be appreciated. We beg the people of the world to appreciate us without realizing that they themselves are begging everyone around to appreciate them. This is a common complaint from people. People in my house do not reciprocate my love for them. I keep expressing my love for them, but they do not express their love to me. People keep lamenting, who else will love me? Who will make me feel secure in my life? So they beg others so that they can be loved. Stop doing this. If you tend to do this, please get yourself liberated from this pointless act of begging. Get into any relationship looking at what you can give and not what you can receive. Look at what you can do for the mango tree rather than what you can expect from the tree. When you do this, you will feel liberated. It does not matter whether you are with a mango tree or an orange tree because your focus is on what you can give, not what you can receive. You go into a relationship so that you can appreciate the other person. You go into a relationship looking to understand the other person. When you get into a relationship, tell yourself this, I am going to be expressive of my love. I will be a demonstrative of my love irrespective of the reciprocation from the other end. Look at the liberation. Tell yourself, I will be the source of life and happiness to my family rather than expecting my family to be the source of love and joy to me. Please remember that the starvation for love does not cease by receiving love. Starvation for love ends only by giving love. If there is anybody in the world right now who is starving for love, it is not because enough people who do not love that person. It is because they do not love enough people. You have to love enough people. That should be your focus. The moment you bring about this shift in your life, there will be a genuine understanding in your life. Rather than expecting what other person in the relationship can do for you, You must turn those expectations toward you and start asking yourself what you can do for the relationship. Every time you are disappointed, just ask yourself this question. By any chance, am I sitting under a mango tree and hoping that oranges will come out of it one day? Go into any relationship looking at what you can give and not what you can receive. I tell this from my personal experience that ultimate liberation in life is to think about what more you can give, what else you can give and how else you can give. The moment you become a giver, you enjoy sheer freedom in the relationship. Those who give are always given a lot more. Live to give. Enjoy the freedom of giving. Get the freedom of your life right. And you will get your relationship right. Ultimately, you will get your life right. Thank you for listening to this episode. I want to thank my gurus Mahatriya Ra, from whom I learned a lot and got inspired by him. Gautam Buddha for his simplistic teachings and meaningful quotes. Sri Aswath for his wealth of scriptural knowledge. And finally, my family for their constant guidance and support. I talked about them in detail in episode 1 of this podcast series. This is the first half of the chapter called Relationship and Commitment. The next episode will cover the remaining topics like Importance of Commitment in Relationship. On Parenting, Peer Acceptance and Possessiveness and the overprotectiveness, and finally how to overcome the bitter past. As I said in the beginning of this episode, I will publish one episode every Sunday until I complete all 18 chapters from my book. I sincerely urge people to listen to this podcast series and take complete advantage of its contents. Happy listening. Stay calm and positive.